So, so when Jesus was on earth, he shared heavenly story, heavenly truths using earthly stories. You and I can't grasp heaven. We can't grasp spiritual truth. So Jesus told these earthly stories that related deep spiritual truth. Does anybody know what we call those stories? Say it out loud if you know it. Parables. So Jesus told parables, an earthly story about a heavenly truth. But when Jesus came to reveal Himself to us as the Messiah, as God in human form, when Jesus came to reveal Himself, He did so using His earthly, an earthly body. He was an earthly person. He was a, a man like any of us uh, guys are men. He was flesh and bone, but He was also 100% God in the flesh. Well, how does He let us know? How are we to know that Jesus is who He says He is and that He's not some lunatic just claiming to be God? I shared with you last week, there's a long list of people throughout history who have claimed to be God and they've gotten a group of followers and they presented themselves as the Messiah. So so, so how how do we know about Jesus? Well, there's two things about Jesus that let us know absolutely that He is who He says He is. And that's His message of what He says about Himself using parables, but also... Other things he says about God and about, about, about spiritual truth and about our relationship to God. But also with miracles. Supernatural displays that he's not just a man like any of us would be men, but that he backs up what he says with what he does. And John chapter 6 reveals for us one of the miracles of Jesus... And the message that goes along with it takes all the rest of the chapter there in John chapter 6. I want you to to walk through it with me briefly uh, this morning. But but using the, the, the picture of bread, Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God. We're going to start by looking at how Jesus reveals himself with a miracle. John chapter 6, starting at verse 1, going to verse 15. He reveals himself with a miracle. He performs the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. You may have heard of that miracle before. If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see the, the miracles that Jesus performed. And in some of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see the same miracle recorded in, in, in more than one of the Gospels. There's only one miracle that Jesus performed that appears in all four of those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for some reason, it is the feeding of the 5,000 reported in all four of those books. Let's read the story. Read with me, if you will. John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a large crowd was following him. Let's ask the question, why were the people following Jesus? When he was was traveling about, people were starting to notice. They were starting to follow after him. Why was that? Was it because of his personal charisma? Was it because of the things he was saying? All of those played into it. But notice what it says there in verse 2. They were following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. They saw how Jesus was healing the sick. And word began to spread that when Jesus went to this location, he healed some people. And then he went to this location and he healed some more people. And he went to this location over here and not only did he heal some people, but everybody brought everybody else they knew who was sick and Jesus healed them all so that as he traveled now, people are starting to notice the word is starting to spread. People want to come see what's going on. That's why they were following him. Verse 3, 
Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes and seeing what a large crowd, that a large crowd was coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where are we going to buy, I'm sorry, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? A simple question. Jesus looked at his people everywhere. And they're out there on the, on the, on the shore of the, of the Sea of Galilee. There's a big lake, and then there's, there's nothing out there. There's not a McDonald's. There's not a Chick-fil-A. They, even if it was Sunday, they couldn't go to Chick-fil-A, right? But whatever they, there was nothing around. And so Jesus asked Philip, where are we going to buy bread? There's two ways Jesus might ask this question. He might have asked the question as if he had no clue what the answer was. He might have said, where in the world are we going to buy food for these people? Or he might have said it like this. Philip, where do you think we're going to buy food for all these people? There's a difference there. The the first way I I asked the question was, I don't know the answer. We're freaking out here trying to feed everybody. The second second way I asked the same question is, there might be something else going on. So Jesus asked Philip, where are we going to buy bread? He said this, verse 6, he said this to test him. Notice how important, this is an important feature. Jesus said this to test him. The Bible makes it very clear. God does not tempt us towards sin. He does not do that. But he does test us as to the makeup of our faith. There are times in in life, and, and here Jesus interacting with Philip and Andrew and the other disciples, he puts them to the test to see what kind of faith they have. There are those times in life when God tests us. To see what kind of faith we have. Not that he doesn't know. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we may assume we've got great faith, but when it's tested, it quickly withers away. There may be those times when we have little faith. We think we have little faith. But when the testing comes, it's revealed that we've got great faith. So Jesus said this to test him. Notice what he goes on to say there in verse number 6. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what was going on. He somehow, as God, orchestrated that a large crowd would show up in a desolate area needing something to eat so that he could test his disciples, so that he could provide the miracle, so that his name could be revealed and his glory could be shown to all. That's why he did this. So one of his disciples, after uh, so Philip answered him, And he said, 200 denarii, that's a, a denarii is a day's wage. So 200 days wages would not buy enough bread for each to get a little. If we had 200 days worth of wages, we couldn't even give anybody here more than a little smidgen. So so Philip now is, is looking to answer the question. Andrew also probably heard the question. And when Andrew heard the question, he went out looking. He said, hey, anybody got a snack with them? You got anything to eat over here? Kind of like, kind of like some people around here at homecoming. Hey, what do you got over here? And so Andrew's doing that. And then Andrew, it says here in verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. So I got somebody that's actually got some food. Five, and then a loaf is not like our loaf of bread, but it's like a, like a little dinner roll, probably. So here's, here's a little boy. He's got five little loaves of bread and two fish. But then Andrew asked the question. But what are these things? 
for so many people. So Jesus has attracted the crowd. He's asked the question. The disciples are scratching their head and maybe on the inside freaking out a little bit. And then Jesus goes on and says this. Have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. This is where the the naming of the feeding of the 5,000 is is, is off base. There were 5,000 men. You know that if there are 5,000 men anywhere, there's going to be what? There's going to be 5,000. We don't travel by ourselves. We can't do well on our own. We need help. So there's at least 5,000 women, and there's children, no doubt. Family units are, are walking out to see and traveling to see what's going on here. 5,000 plus. Jesus then took the loaves, these five loaves. (laughs) And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Now let me pause right there again, because you have to remember, this is first century uh, Israel. And and people there uh, were were usually fairly poor. They were dependent on today's catch of fish for today's food. And they hopefully had some stocked up for for the future, but not much. And usually in that day, they, they ate enough to sustain them, but they didn't overeat because they had to make sure they could eat tomorrow. And that everybody in the house could eat. Not like today where, oh, you're hungry, ride down the food line. Or you're hungry, open the cabinet shelves and and see things that are good for six months or two years. Or if it's spam, good forever, right? (laughs) So so, so, so he was, they, they they were very conscious not to overeat in this situation. Notice what it says here. They, so also the fish, he gave them the bread and the fish as much as they wanted. As much as they they started distributing these two fish and five loaves and, and something miraculous happened. It doesn't say in the scripture exactly how it happened. It just lets us know that it happened. Somehow these five loaves began to multiply as Jesus gave the blessing over them. Somehow these, these two fish began to multiply after Jesus had said the blessing. And these 5,000 men plus whoever else was there with these five loaves and two fish ate all that they wanted, not just what they needed, not just to sustain them, but they ate all that they wanted. There's a true miracle that's taking place right here in their midst. Verse 12, when they had eaten their fill, they were full. Jesus told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Now remember, what did Jesus, when he said to Philip, how are we going to feed these people? What was it? It was a test. It was a test. What kind of faith do you have, Philip? How are we going to feed these people, Philip? Where's your faith? And, and so, so it was a test of his faith. Now notice here, and we'll get down to, to, to verse number 13. So they gathered up the fragments. And they filled 12 baskets with the fragments. The question relayed a test. The picking up of the fragments relayed an answer to the test. Jesus is God. Jesus provides. You can trust Jesus. How many? They were called the twelve more than they were called anything else. So how many? How many people? How many guys were in the group called the twelve? This sounds like a silly, silly question. How many were in that group? It's not a trick question. There were twelve in the twelve. How many baskets or fragments did they pick up? Twelve. One for each of the twelve. 
One object lesson, one reminder, one, one answer to, to their question. When Philip is scratching his head, I don't know. We couldn't feed them a little. We couldn't give everybody a pack of nabs here. We don't have that much money. And so what's going on here? Jesus reveals who he is. By the test, by the miracle... He reveals who he is by, by, by what he's saying. And he's setting up something so that the message can follow. He's not just interested in feeding people one meal. He's not just interested in, in providing a supernatural event. There's more that goes on here. There's a, there's a message that's going to follow here. And we begin to see what that message is. When we look at verse number 14, we see the significance. It says, when the people saw the sign... The sign, the miracle, the the supernatural event, the divine intervention into their lives. When they they saw this sign, it, it says about them that they said this, speaking of Jesus. This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. This is this this guy. This guy has got to be. We've known about his his healing. Now we've seen him multiply this bread and fish. We've all eaten to our full. Picked up twelve baskets full. Can you imagine? There was this buzz going across all those people out there when Jesus blessed five little loaves and two fish, and everybody. Hey, they were just talking and going back and forth. Who is this guy? He's got to be the prophet that we've been looking for. He's got to be the, the, the one the prophets have spoken about all throughout what we call the Old or the Older Testament, what, what the Jews call the Scriptures, the Law and the Prophets. This has got to be the one that the Law and the Prophets are talking about. This has got to be the one that John the Baptist was talking about because everybody knew of John the Baptist and they knew that John pointed to Jesus. And they, they, So they're saying, this has got to be the one that John the Baptist was talking about. This has got to be the one we've been looking for. And I want to tell you today, I'll tell you today, that you may have come in here on a cold, dreary day on the outside and you may have drugged yourself in here or somebody else may have drugged you in here and you're coming in here and you're wondering, what has God got for me today? I'm here to tell you that there, there are tests to our faith that will open up doors for Jesus to reveal himself to you so that we might acknowledge him as the very one who God is going to send. And I know there's people here today, you may be, you're questioning. You don't know, can I believe? Is it true? Is it real? I know what the stories have said, but I'm looking at other people's lives. Can, can, is it, can it really be real in my life that I can experience Jesus Christ? Well, the people were saying, this, is got, this has got to be the prophet. This has got to be the one that we're looking for. But let's look now at verses 27 to 36. In between there, Jesus walks on the water, which is a great miracle, a great story, another sermon as well. But let's, let's look here, verses 27 to 36, how Jesus now contrasts himself with manna. You know the story of the Old Testament when the Israelites were leaving Egypt? Uh, they were out in the desert and God provided manna for them to eat. And so, so we start in verse 27. This is the next day after the feeding of the 5,000. Many of those people who had been fed are now following Jesus across the lake. And Jesus is, 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 lets them know in verse 26, all you're doing, you're looking for the next meal. I fed you until you were full, and now you're following me. You want the next meal. I, gave, I fed you yesterday, you're showing up again today. But then in verse 27, Jesus says this, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Here comes the message that goes with the miracle. He says, But labor for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
For on him, God the Father has set his seal. I want you to notice there on the screen, and maybe in your Bible it says it this way, the the word labor. Do not labor for food that perishes. This word labor means to have a a job or an occupation is to work towards a paycheck. You have a job, whether it's a part-time job or a full-time job or a career, or you're working towards a career, whatever it may be. You know what what I mean when I say you're working towards a paycheck. You're working for a reward that will come for your labor. And Jesus is saying to these people here, don't spend all your time laboring after something that will perish and go away. Well, what is that? That's everything. Don't spend your time working for, 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 for food and a meal that's just going to go away and leave you hungry again. Don't spend all your time working for, for, for paying your rent when the next month the rent is due again. Don't spend all your time working for things that will go away and perish. But he says, work towards a payday. Work towards something. Spend your labor and your work on something that will grant you and give you eternal life. Now, let me ask you this morning. If there were some list of things that you and I could do that would end up with a payday of eternal life, would it be worth it? The answer is yes. If it were to get a certain level of education, it'd be well worth getting your college degree or your master's degree or your doctorate degree or to write four or five books so that the result, the reward would be you get to go to heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Okay, you're thinking, I can't write a book, right? <laughs> What, what, what if, it, if you would get a job working on the road crew, putting down asphalt for the, for, the, for the highway and do that for 30 years and give yourself day after day after day and your end result, the payment would be you get to go to heaven for eternity. Wouldn't that 30 years be worth that? It absolutely would. So Jesus is saying work not for the things that will go away, but work for something that will give you eternal life. There in verse 27, verse 28, Then they said to him, what, what, what must we do? You're saying work for eternal life. What is that? What does that look like? What do I have to do to get eternal life? To be doing the works of God. How can we do these things? What labor do I have to do? What work do I have to do? So that we may, may get, not bread for a day, but eternal life forever. Another way to ask the question today is, how can I be right with God? How can I go to heaven? And maybe you walked in today and, and you're asking that question. How can I go to heaven one day? How can I spend eternity with God? So they're asking that question. Jesus answered, verse 29, this is the work of God. Right here it is. I'm going to tell you, this is the work of God. I'm about to share it with you. This is the work, the occupation, the labor, the toil, what you have to invest so that your payday will be eternal life. And they're saying, what is it, Lord? Anything that you tell us to do. We, if, we, if it ends up in eternal life, I can endure anything, go anywhere, work as hard as I can. I can, I can spend a career doing all kinds of things if it leads me to eternal life. And Jesus said, here it is. That you believe in Him who He has sent. Somebody say amen to that. The work that God has given to you and I and to all people everywhere for all time is not to work and labor and toil for 30 years at something and work our fingers to the bone week in and week out. If that would give us eternal life, yes, it'd be worth it. But Jesus, you don't have to do that. To gain eternal life. All you have to do. All you have to do. Is to believe. In him whom God has sent. The ticket to heaven. Is Jesus. The ticket to heaven. Is belief. 
That word labor is important. It, it, it speaks of a, a toiling for a paycheck. But that word belief is important too. That, that word belief means to entrust. And it's not just to entrust somebody, say, at a lower level of trust. For example, it, it, you know, somebody at work says, hey, I'm going to make a run down to, to Chick-fil-A for lunch. You know, everybody kick in money and they go down there and get it and bring the food back and everybody at work eats the food. Oh, you, know, you trust them that they're going to go. They're not going to uh, rob you of your money. They're going to bring you back food where they hadn't spit in the sandwich. You know, they're going to take good care of you, right? You trust somebody. That's a low level of trust. But this level of trust Jesus is talking about is not just a low level. It's, an entrust, it's a total entrustment. It's, it's the trust that a baby exhibits towards their mother and father. It's a trust that, 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 a, that a dying patient in a hospital exhibits towards a doctor to give life-giving drugs. It's a total and complete trust of what you have into the hands of God. So Jesus says, here is the work that you have to do in order to go to heaven. You have to believe wholeheartedly completely and, and, and with all that you have. You have to entrust yourself to me. You have to believe. Then verse 30, they ask a question. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? What are you going to do outwardly to show us that this is the answer? You can't just say something, Jesus. you got to demonstrate it. Now, he had already fed the 5,000, and they were looking for the next thing. What sign are you going to give us outwardly? Then in verse number uh, 31, uh, they said this, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, the, the people there that are following Jesus, here's a nutshell, what's going on? Jesus fed them. Now they go looking for him. And they say, all right, Jesus, you know, you, what, give us more. He says, you're looking for the wrong thing. Not for something that will perish but for something that will give you eternal life. And they say, what are, we going to, what are you going to do? Our forefathers, they, they got the manna in the wilderness. Now, if you were to go back, and you can do this, as I would encourage you to do this. Go back to Exodus chapter 16 and read about the Israelites having been delivered from Egypt. They're out in the desert and they have nothing to eat. And God provides for them this substance called manna. Everybody say manna with me. Manna. I'm going to teach you some Hebrew today, okay? So, so here's what happened. Is they were out in the wilderness. They cried out to God. And God sent them manna every day, six days a week. On the, on the sixth day, they kept enough over for the Sabbath. And for 40 years in the wilderness, six days a week, God provided manna. It says in the Bible that it was like a, a wafer, that it was, a, it was like a honey wafer. Sounds pretty good to me, right? So, so like a honey wafer. You get it, you eat it, and, and God supernaturally provided it for 40 years. When they saw it, they said, what is it? The Hebrew word for what is it is the word manna. So they said, what is it? That's what it is. What is it? Yes. Can I get some what is it? Yes, here's some what is it right here. Manna, that's, that's what it is. So, 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 so God fed them supernaturally that way. And in, 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 uh, in BibleStudyTools.com it says this, With the manna, it was impossible for the Israelites to evade total dependence on God or use the manna greedily for personal gain. They had to depend on God. Why did God pull them out of Egypt and keep them in the wilderness for 40 years? Partly because of His will, partly because of their sin, but also to teach them to trust Him. And because they had to rely on Him every single day, and He delivered every single day, they learned to trust Him 
and to, and to follow after what he said. So to test them, to humble them, and to teach them is what it says on BibleStudyTools.com. And so, so Jesus, uh, likewise, using manna, describes how God is testing them, how he is testing them, so that their faith might be displayed for, for them to see. Verse 32 of John 6, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Notice there in verse 32, he speaks in the past tense. He said, it was not Moses that gave you that bread, past tense, but it is my Father, it's God above, who gives you, present tense, who gives you the true bread from heaven. And then, uh, again, just a reminder, verse 30, they said, what sign do you give? What, what do you do? What are you going to do that we might believe you? And the answer is, now the work of Jesus. What is your work going to be, Jesus? And so he, now he tells them what his work is. Verse number 33. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So when they ask him the question, what are you going to do to show us that this message that you're given is right, that we can have eternal life? What, what kind of bread are you going to give us? Are you going to give us more manna? No, manna is going to perish. It's only good for a day. Jesus said, the bread that, that I'm going to give you is myself. The bread that I'm going to give you is what comes down from heaven. And the result is going to be, he's going to give life to the world. Here he's speaking about the cross. He's speaking about the price he was going to pay. He's speaking about giving his life so that you and I could go free and be forgiven of our sins. And in verse 34, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Whatever it is you're going to do, if it's going to give us eternal life, give it to us always. The manna showed up every single morning. They got it. They ate it. They were fine. They survived. So whatever it is you're going to do, Jesus, give it to us every single day. Give it to us always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. I am. I am the bread of life. It's, it's, not, it's not the loaf that, that we distributed over on the other side of the lake. It's not the manna that showed up every day outside of the camp. This, this is me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's that word believe. Jesus had earlier said, this is the work of God that you believe. And now he says again, whoever believes, the theme of belief over and over again lets the people know, it lets us know, we can never work enough to qualify to go to heaven. All we have to do is believe. That's all we have to do. Verse 36, but I said to you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Jesus here is... is, is relating to the folks. He said, you're not getting it. You saw the miracle. You've heard the message. And you're still not believing. I have a hard time thinking, Greg, that and I'll say, I'll speak for you. You don't know what I'm about to say. But I'm going to speak for me. If you and I were there and we saw the miracle and we heard the message, we would have believed, wouldn't we? We'd have been there. We'd have been saying, you preach it, Jesus. We believe or not, we might not have. Because there were people there that they, they saw and they heard, but they did not believe. I find that hard to believe that they did not believe. But I also find it hard to believe today 
That there are people that, are, that hear the message of the gospel. They hear the message of all you have to do is believe, completely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved from your sins and saved into heaven to have eternal life. All you have to do is believe in Him. And I'm, I'm surprised that there are people today that hear that message and still choose not to believe. I really shouldn't be surprised. It happens today. It's happened throughout history. It happened to Jesus, to His face. You... You've seen all these things and you don't believe. Look at verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They were the recipients of God's supernatural divine intervention. They ate the manna, but they died. Because the manna was good physically, but it could do nothing for them spiritually. It was only a physical miracle that took place. As much of a miracle as it was. Verse number 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. This, he talk about himself. I'm the one, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it, uh, so that one may eat of it and not die. You can take of me, you can believe in me, and you will not die. The manna, you die. It helps you today, but you die later. You believe in me, Jesus said, and you will not die. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. He's saying it over and over again. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds of this bread will live forever. So Jesus is drawing this contrast. They all knew and believed the miracle of the manna. The physical miracle. But Jesus is saying that was temporary. Here's the real thing. Not an outward bread. But God himself giving the living bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread. Now notice the next thing we want to see. Verses 35 to 58. How Jesus reveals himself with his message. He's performed the miracle. He's shared some of the message. He's talked about the manna. And so let's look and see how how Jesus is the bread of life. Notice again verse 35. How Jesus came not to give them bread, but to be the bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of God, that I may not lose. I should not lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And then verse 40. I want you to, if in your Bible, if you're one that writes in your Bible, I, I love to write in my Bible to take notes. But John 6 verse 40 is one of those key verses. Because once again, Jesus says it. He's been saying it, and now he's saying it again. Verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that anyone or everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Now watch this process. Look to the Son, believe on the Son, have eternal life, be resurrected on the last day. Look to the Son, believe on the Son, have eternal life, Be raised from the dead. Is that a good deal or what? That's a good deal. That's the best deal. There's no deal out out there anywhere like this. You don't have to pay. You don't have to toil. You don't have to labor. You simply have to trust and believe. And you will be saved. And you will be raised. And you will have eternal life. That's what Jesus is saying here in John 6 and verse number 40. Look at verse 41. So... So the Jews grumbled about him. What? Let's make sure. Verse 41 follows verse 40, right? He had just said, if you believe, you will be saved and have eternal life and be raised from the dead. Verse 41. So they grumbled about him. 
Why are they grumbling? Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Now they're grumbling about that. No one, notice verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. God is at work here. God has to draw you before you can ever believe. And then Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. Again, repeating the message. Verse 47, he repeats it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So, so I want you to get the sense of what's going on here. There's this back and forth. There's this frustration on the part of the people not grasping what Jesus is saying. And Jesus using illustrations. And Jesus using miracles. And Jesus saying to them over and over again, you believe and you have eternal life. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. You believe in me and you'll have eternal life. Then Jesus, now we start looking at at an illustration Jesus gives using himself as the bread, using his blood, using his flesh as the bread. He gives a, a, a picture, an illustration of himself being the bread. They misunderstand exactly what he's saying, like some people have done throughout history. But, but here we see a, a, a picture that starts here in John 6 that carries over into the Lord's Supper, the last supper Jesus had with his disciples, that carries over into what we celebrate even today. Verse 51. The bread I will give for the life of, my wor- of the world is my flesh. They ask him, what work are you going to do? He says, I'm going to give life to everybody. How are you going to do that? I'm going to give my flesh. I'm going to give myself. And the Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread that the fathers ate. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He's saying physically, I'm going to give my flesh and my blood. And spiritually, you have to believe. You have to believe. And so now we see here at the end, we're going to start looking at verse number 60 to 69. And what we see here is that Jesus was saying to the folks in his day, the same thing that the church has been saying throughout history, the same thing that the church is saying today, the same thing that I'm saying to you, is that we hear this message about Jesus. He is the bread sent down from heaven, demonstrated with a message Demonstrated with, with an allusion to the man in the Old Testament. Demonstrated with, with the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. He says, all of this is there. He says, now you've got to figure out what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to believe? Or are you not going to believe? If you believe, it needs to impact and affect your life. If you're not going to believe, you turn and walk away. There's, there's no other way than, 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 than to accept or reject this message. Notice with me, uh, starting at verse number 60. When many of his disciples heard it, now this is not the 12, these are all those, that crowd of people following him. 
When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. You talk about eating your flesh and drinking your blood. That's a hard thing to, to comprehend. Uh, um, who can listen to this? Verse 61. Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Is this message I'm giving you, does this offend you? I've, I've thought before, when, when I read this, I've thought before about people that I've, I've shared the gospel with, I've shared the message with, and there are people that take great offense at the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel being that God loves us and created us in His image, but that we've all sinned and, and we violated God's truth and we're all under His wrath. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son to be the living bread, to give Himself so that we might have eternal life when we simply believe in Him. That's the message. Some people take great offense at that. Why? Because in that message is the phrase, we've all sinned. And within the phrase, we've all sinned, is the phrase, I've sinned and you've sinned. And I've had people say to my face after a message, I've had people say to my face after a brief conversation about the gospel, who are you to tell me that I'm a sinner? Who are you? Don't, I know who you are. I know where you come. Who are you to talk to me about me being a sinner? How dare you? The message of the gospel can be quite an offense to those who are unwilling to come to terms with the fact that there is a God, and He's not you. <laughs> there is a God, and He holds us accountable and we're all guilty. So Jesus says, do you take offense at this? He said, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? In other words, if you're offended by the message that I've come down from heaven to be the living bread, and I'm going to give my flesh so that you might believe and go to heaven, what, if you're offended by that, what, what about when I go back up into heaven? <laughs> when you see me rising back up, are you going to be offended at that too, Jesus says? Verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The physical flesh is of no help in spiritual matters. That's why we know it's, he's painting a picture here. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. The words I've, I've spoken to you about my flesh and my blood, it's a picture, it's, a, it's an illustration outwardly. It's a spiritual truth that I'm, I'm giving to you in a physical illustration. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. Again, though they don't believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. Verse 66, very sad verse. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They'd heard the message. They'd begun to grasp it. But it was a hard saying. They couldn't, they couldn't follow. They couldn't take it in. They couldn't go any farther with Jesus. They could come only to a certain point. But then they said, no, this isn't for me. Just like it's happened throughout history. Just like happens many times today. There are people that say, well, I'm fine to sing the song. I'm fine to open the Bible. I'm fine to talk about Jesus. I'm fine to talk about love. I'm fine to talk about eternal life. But this whole sinner stuff and Jesus dying for me and his flesh and his blood, that's too far. I can't go there and turn and walk away. I hope you're not like that today. Then Jesus said to the twelve, the, the twelve disciples, Do you want to go away as well? All these people, it's like they've all gathered for the rally. They're all there to be fed one more time. They're all excited. It's like yesterday at the Carolina game. Towards the end, everybody gathered for a celebration, and they left before it was over, dejected. Thought I'd get amen from a Duke fan in there somewhere. 
They all gathered for this great celebration and now leave dejected and rejecting of Jesus. And so he says to his disciples, the, the core right around, he says, okay, guys, if this offends you, if you can't take this, then all right, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. I want you to notice what happened. Verse 68, Peter spoke up. Anytime in the Bible Peter speaks up, pay attention because it's going to be a good show one way or the other. He sticks his foot in his mouth or he makes a, he makes a wrong statement. But here, Peter shines out. Verse 68, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? If we're leaving you, who are we going to go follow? There's nobody else out there that we can follow. Who are we going to go follow? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, you've got those words. You speak about eternal life. You speak about your body. You speak about the flesh. You speak about believing. You have these words above of eternal life. And in verse 69, Peter says, We have believed. You said all you have to do is believe, to trust completely. We do that, Lord. We believe. And we've come to know. We know in our hearts. We know in our minds. We know that you are the Holy One of God. Why did Jesus reveal himself in this way? So that people might believe and know that he is the Holy One of God who has come into the world to give his flesh and his blood that you and I might be forgiven of our sins, saved and given eternal life, knowing that we can never earn it or get there on our own. There's not enough work or toll we could ever do. There's not enough money that it could ever be bought. We simply have to believe. Isn't that good news today? Just simply have to believe. Guys, come up for our last song if you would. And While they're coming up there, I want to ask you to consider the message today because this will be a common theme throughout these series of messages on the Gospel of John. And it is what Jesus says about himself, what Jesus does in revealing himself, and what it means for you and I in response. You and I in response. What are we going to do about it? It's not just a history lesson. It's not just a, a story from days gone by. It's not just what God has done in the past. It's a story of what God is doing and continues to do even today. It's what he's done in my life. It's what he's done, I hope, in your life. And even today, he's saying to you, if if you're doubting, if you've been offended, if you've been been, been distrustful, if if you've wavered, if you've not fully understood, today is the day that you can say along with Peter, I believe, I trust you completely. Just before we sing, I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and just get along with you and God. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I just want to invite you to pray along with me. If you're, if you're here and you're a believer and you know Jesus as your Savior, then I want to, I want to ask you is to, to thank Him for that and to, and to ask Him to equip you and help you to live that faith every single day. And also to ask Him to use you to impact somebody else with the wonderful message that Jesus is the bread of life. Our Heavenly Father, today, folks have been so patient to listen as we've covered a lot of Scripture. And I pray that it's all tied together in how I've presented it as it does in Scripture. And I pray that as in the Scripture it says that only the Father draws people to to, to faith and, and the Spirit has to be active, it's not the flesh. I pray that today, Lord, Your Word and the Father and the Spirit have been at work in the hearts and lives of people here, drawing them to faith in You that will result in acts of obedience. And Lord, for those of us who've been saved, who've, been, who've expressed our belief and trust in Christ, Lord, remind us 
of that wonderful transformation that has taken place. We've gone from death to life. We've gone from being under wrath and judgment to being set free and being part of the family of God. May we never forget what you've done for us. And may we always thank you for the eternal life that we now possess that will come into fruition when we pass on from this world. Lord, help us to live it out and help people that don't believe to see it in us and be drawn by your word and drawn by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you be with those in this room or those in our community, those in our homes, our schools, our businesses, our, on our teams, in, our, in our, 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 our friend circles. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to hear and help them to believe. If there be somebody here today, Lord, that's never believed and they feel that spirit tugging at their hearts, Lord, may today be that day of salvation. May they cry out to you right now in their heart, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you are the bread of life who gave his flesh and his blood so that I might be forgiven and set free and have eternal life. Lord Jesus, save me today. I turn from myself and my sin and I turn to you. Lord, if that's the cry of somebody's heart today, draw them to yourself. And may they find somebody here to talk to about their faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for letting us know so clearly, so plainly who you are and what you do and what it means for us. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.